0: What a blessing it's been to be with you, men, the salt of the earth, men. That's why we uh, sure have enjoyed it, brother Marshall and I. Uh, we're going back to Canaan land this afternoon and so <laughs> going in there. But uh, sure have enjoyed being with you fellows. And you do have some enlightened pastors among you. You understand? Uh, brother Reagan came to me this morning and he said, uh, he said, I fully understand the difference between Sumatra and Ethiopian coffee. So yeah, so. <laughs> He gets it. He understands that, you know. I was drinking the coffee this morning, and I said, this. "My grandma used to make silver tea. She'd take hot water and put a little milk in there, you know, and drink that silver tea." And I thought, "This is about that strength, uh, this coffee here among these uh, among these Midwesterners." <laughs> and hold up the thing there, and if you can see light through it, it's not it's not dark enough. <laughs> so. And you've read on the site, it says one heaping tablespoon for every six-ounce cup. That's what you're supposed to, uh, you know, do with it. But this is one tablespoon for every pot, I think. <laughs> but you got to go in there. Uh, you're saving money, I guess. But, uh, but uh, you know, Elias was having a little trouble getting those high notes today because he, had that, he didn't have the strong coffee, you know. <laughs> so, uh, he needed that. He needed that. So... And then Chaz was over there, you know, I, I think in his first life he must have been a ventriloquist because he, his, his, his lips don't move but sound comes out. You know, so. So, uh, he's a good guy though, I appreciate him. So. And, uh, take your Bibles to Numbers chapter 32, if you would, Numbers chapter 32, and uh um, we're going to take a look at, we've been talking about gates and guarding the gates and guard duty and so forth, but uh, uh, in a castle setting, of course, they didn't just stay in the castle and live in the castle. There was also the offensive maneuvers. They went out of the gates and they had business outside of the gates as well and that was um, that was offensive in many cases Uh, on the offense that is in many cases Uh, in the scriptures when we see the Lord Jesus in John chapter 10 referring to the gates uh, of the of the uh, the door of the sheepfold he said that that door opens in and out Uh, we go in and out he said and find pasture so we're not just called to be gathered in and then to enjoy the, um, the gathering in and the gathering together. Uh, certainly we do enjoy that. We do long for that time when we can be gathered in and, and there is no going out to battle anymore, but that time is not yet. And so we have another gate to, uh, to uh, think about today, and that gate is the gate of hell. And the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. And so we got another gate to work on today. And uh, the question this morning is now that we've been talking about the castle and we've been talking about our defenses, been talking about uh, guarding our gates, uh, we need to take a look at the question of will you go to battle? Uh, The question that Moses asked, will you go to battle or will you sit here and sitting here is comfortable, and sitting here is good, and we're among brethren, and uh, t- there there aren't uh, you know, serious temptations, uh, you know, um, uh, out there right now. We're gathered. We've got our Bibles open. We've got a Bible in our lap. We're singing the songs of praise, and it's good, you know. <laughs> but the question that Moses had to ask: Going to just sit here, uh, or will you go to battle? So let's take our uh, take a look at Numbers 32. I want to read. Um, Verse 1 through 7, then we'll skip down to verse 16 through 23 there. So if you'd stand together as we take a look at Numbers chapter 32, uh, verse 1 through verse uh, 7, and then uh, verse 16 through verse 23. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of uh, Gezer, Jezer, the land of Gilead, and behold the place was a place for cattle, and the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and said uh, unto, the of, and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, uh, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Elielah and Shebam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle and thy servants have cattle. Therefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye sit here? Wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. And then he refers back to the sin of Israel in not going into the land 40 years earlier. And he mentions Caleb and Joshua, the only two that had the faith to understand God's leading there. Now let's skip down to verse 17. But we ourselves, this is the response after they heard Moses challenge to them, his admonition to them, The children of Reuben and the children of Gad said, But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. And we will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. And we will not inherit, uh, for we will not inherit with them on yonder side of Jordan or forward. Because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side, Jordan, eastward. And Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you'll go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord, until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterwards ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel." This land shall be your possession before the Lord, but if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that as we consider this last challenge here from this passage of Scripture relating to the offensive side of our our warfare, our our defenses in the castle are one thing, but here Father we are Called upon to go out, cross over the river, and get out into the land of the Canaans and do battle with them until uh, the victory is won. And so, Father, we pray that as we think about this in our own uh, lives and make application to it today, that you'd help us to go from this place with that uh, heart to make a difference uh, in the lives of those who need to be rescued from the. Uh, The ravages of the world by the power of the gospel. We pray your blessing on the word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, fellows, as we consider what's before us. The people had um, uh, dispatched their enemies, uh, the Moabites and the Midianites, the Ammonites on that side uh, of Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan River. And they were at the place now in this Moab Valley. Um, Balaam's situation had occurred right in through there too. And they had seen uh, that uh, victory. Now they're ready to go in ready armed across Jordan and uh, to take the first city, which would be Jericho on the other side. When you have your opportunity to go to the promised land and uh, to tour that, one of the opportunities you may have be given, it's depending on the situation at the time, you may be given the opportunity to go down that road uh, toward Jericho and in across the uh... river there and onto the other side which is palestinian uh, territory now but uh, to go to Jericho and to see, you know, the place and to look upon Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim and to visualize the, you know, the cursing and the blessing and the entering into the Promised Land—it's a great, uh, a great sight to see. Great opportunity to have when you have that and can go. But that's where they were—they were in—they were, uh, in the, were facing across the way, looking at the city of palm trees, Jericho, and that would be their entrance place, their gate, if you will, into the promised land. But it was a gate into warfare. It was a gate into battle. And they were uh, charged with the overthrow of that Canaanite people that were there. So there was a need for every available man jack among them. They had to have men armed for warfare. These weren't people that, uh, you know, were trained as an army, the, the, uh, the wandering in the wilderness was not a time where they had learned you know warfare, and so uh, they 're coming into the first real uh, confrontations other than what they 'd had with the Moabites who God delivered into their hand, and the ammonites um, now they 're going to take up sword they 're going to put on armaments, and they 're going to go to war and so um, uh the the proposal that they that they give to Moses is shocking to them they uh, they say we got we're cattle people and this area is uh, uh is good cattle country and when you go you'll see that it still is uh, in some areas a good cattle country uh and they said um, let let us go ahead and stay here we'll settle here and you guys go over on the other side and <laughs> Uh, And so that was the proposal, bring us not over Jordan. We don't want to go over there. We want to stay on this side. And so the question is asked by Moses, shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? The, The implications there are numerous, but here's some that we can think about. First of all, the blessings of God across the way in the promised land don't come without the battles. Uh, You've got to recognize that uh, every blessing God has for us has uh, a corresponding battle that uh, is associated with it. And there is a battle to be fought. Reuben and Gad and Manasseh uh, wanted to have it then. They wanted to have the blessings now and not have the battle yet. But uh, there always comes a time in between the blessing. It's the same with uh, you you, uh, in the, the work of the farm out here. Uh, you understand better than city folk the period of time that exists between the planting of the seed and the harvest. There is a waiting time and there is a working time between the, the planting and the harvest. And so these guys got there and they said, we want the harvest now. We want the harvest now. Some get impatient with their Christian experience because they say, you know, they told me when I got saved, God poured out the blessings on me and it would be wonderful and my life would change and my wife would be nice to me now and uh, the boss would give me a raise and, and then the opposite happens. Things get harder and more difficult and and he said, I didn't sign up for the battle, I wanted the blessing. So, But uh, that's not the way it works, is it? Uh, man, It's just not the way it goes. So, uh, uh, they were basically saying, let us have ours, let us enjoy the blessings of an established church, an established congregation, an established music program, uh, established Sunday school classes. Let us have that uh, and, um, and let the others be the ones that go out and win and, uh, and, and work, the, uh, work the work of the fields. Let somebody else do that. And so that's where they were at. The life of following the Lord, though, does involve a warfare. Uh, and uh, the greatest um, adversary, the great adversary, the devil, uh, is in a warfare with uh, the people of God. He's in a warfare to, uh, to use his wiles, to use his traps, to ens- ensnare and destroy everyone that he can, and to drag their soul into a devil's hell. But he can't get the soul of the child of God, so his work against you is going to be to blunt your effectiveness. His work against us is to stop us from being an effective Christian. And that's what He's uh, doing. Our battle is to keep Him from that. That's your battle. Keep Him from that. Keep Him from snatching uh, souls and dragging them into His kingdom and keeping them there. They're not, they're not they don't have to be dragged into His kingdom. They're already there. But uh, our battle is to is to win some and to reach them and to uh, to um, you know from the smoke of the burning to to uh, rescue them uh, to pull them from the fire as the uh, prophet in Jude says uh, pull them from the fire and so that's part of our battle is to win those that are lost and another part of our battle is to keep Satan from uh, destroying our testimony and making us ineffective in our uh, service for Christ so here we are um, we see their first attitude there was let someone else invite let someone else do it and Moses confronted them with that with their sin and he uh, and he uh, declared to them he gave them this admonition he said I want you to go in ready and armed ready and armed and we've we're provided with the arms men we're provided with the arms we have the defensive capabilities given to us by the Holy Spirit, through the uh, whole armor of God, and we have the offensive, uh, the sword of the Spirit, you know, which is the Word of God. So we have the armaments necessary. In 1945 there was 121 uh, volunteers uh, uh, that um, were, we had uh, taken back, uh, or we were on the way to taking back the Philippine Islands, and they, they were, uh, there was a company of men, uh, battalion, actually, of men that were uh, moving along the coastline uh, there to a um, rendezvous point with a, another a battalion that was coming from the north, and the the the, um, the commanding general uh, had heard of Kabatuan, uh, Cabanatuan, a a death camp that uh, was about uh, uh, fifteen or twenty miles from where they were. Uh, and so um, this Cabanatuan death camp was the holding place of still above about 500 uh, that had survived the, uh, the, the uh, Bataan Death March, which uh, was 60 miles uh, where thousands of uh, US uh, soldiers and allies were marched uh, by the uh, Japanese to the Cabanatuan uh, camp. Uh, they, uh, hundreds of them uh, died along the way and uh, of the thousands that were interred initially uh, thousands of those died because of the deplorable uh, treatment and the deplorable conditions that existed there but 121 uh, volunteers said we'll go and we'll free those remaining prisoners and so their assignment was to take armament with them and uh, to to work their way behind the enemy lines and in a surprise attack to free the Kabanatoan uh, camp they were successful in doing that they reached the camp and uh, and attacked it uh, they had several close calls getting there through enemy lines but they uh, attacked the camp and uh, and freed those uh, over 500 uh, prisoners, American and Allied prisoners, uh, from that they found them in uh, some of them in skeleton-like condition when they got there, but they did uh, bring about their freedom. They uh, they went across the enemy lines and did what uh, they had volunteered to do. And they accomplish their goal, and that's really what uh, we're supposed to be doing. The, as I mentioned, the Bible tells us that the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so we're we're um, assigned to um, to get into the enemy lines. We're we're dealing with um, we're dealing with a very a very um, real enemy. And he has men imprisoned, and we have the opportunity to make a difference. So uh, let me uh, uh, mention something else. Let me talk a little bit about the importance of your influence. You see, that was one of the things Moses brought out when he's talking to these men. He's he's uh, uh, rebuking them, first of all, for wanting to just stop there and not. We don't want to go over Jordan. He rebuked them for that. And then he explained why uh, not only was the need there for them to participate because they, need every, they needed every man ready armed for the battle, but the other thing he said was this, look you are going to be a, a great discouragement to the whole of Israel if you, if you keep this attitude, if you spread this attitude of we want ours now, we don't want the battle, let somebody else do that. He said that's going to, uh, that's going to put a, a wet blanket on what God wants us to do here. So the importance of your in, uh, influence can't be underestimated. Look at again at uh, verse 7 through 9. He said, Wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. Thus did your fathers when, they, uh, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land... When they went up into the Valley of Eschol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord God had given them. So he hearkens back to that illustration and says, look, you guys are doing the same thing that the 10, um, that the 10 unbelieving spies did 40 years ago. And you see the results of that. So uh, what's to do to others when we... Uh, turn aside from the commitments to following the Lord. Well, we may not think our influence is much at times. Men, you guys, uh, we all have a sphere of influence. And uh, we may not think it's that big of a, uh, of a, of a sphere of influence. But it really is. Uh, how you are and your attitude does affect others it really does how long you know how long do you have to be around someone who's sulking and sullen and self-absorbed until it rubs off on you you know it's uh, it is uh, it has a it has an effect it has an effect if you and me you know take that kind of an attitude we're going to affect others with that kind of attitude if we come in with a complaining spirit it not too long before the rest of us can think of some stuff to complain about too and we can get complaining and we can get going we can figure out all the stuff that's, that we don't like about Brother Lydic if we talk about it long enough, you know. So, uh, yeah, we can, we can have that, and it does affect us. We need to recognize the power of our influence, either for good or for evil. So um, that's what they were uh, learning that day. They had, to, uh, they had to understand the effect that that would have on them. Um, you know, we don't want to be like Reuben and uh, Gad, who could have discouraged the hearts of the people in that situation. How long do you have to be around an angry person before you yourself, you know, have some of that rub off on you? It doesn't take very long. Um, and so the idea here, the thought here, is the power of our influence. Ten men was all it took to turn a whole generation into the wilderness. It just took ten, ten unfaithful men wow that is uh that is a quite a quite a a remarkable truth but they discouraged the heart of the people by their by their testimonies they discouraged the heart of the people and their influence was felt for 40 long hard years in the desert you know Uh, all they could have been enjoying that whole generation uh, lost the opportunity of god's blessing a whole generation now, god didn't abandon them they saw some remarkable things in the desert but wouldn't you rather live in canaan in the promised land than in the desert for the period of your life you can live you can be a christian and live in the desert you know uh you can and god you can have some of blessing god can provide and god can you know move you along but what's the point of walking around in circles for 40 years you know Uh, many christians spend their life walking around in circles for 40 years and they come to the end of their life and say what have i accomplished what has god accomplished through me and it's all because of our lack of belief and our lack of commitment to going in going across you know so so the the importance of influence it can't be it can't be overstated but there were two others Uh, there were two others that um, didn't have that attitude caleb and joshua said we can do it we can go in we can possess the land uh, but there the influence of two was not as effective as the influence of ten uh and it is true of you and i you know the influence of two of us can have an impact but uh but it's not going to it's not going to always counter the influence of the bulk of the body of of uh, of unbelievers so here they were you know two men but they were if you think about it there was only two old men that entered into the, the, the promised land there's only two old guys they were uh, Caleb and Joshua the rest were young people the whole generation was that Caleb and Joshua's generation was dead you know all dead it was only two of them that entered in two old men entered in but those two old men the influence of those two old men set the stage for the whole of the conquering of the uh, of the promised land you know and the great thing about that too is those two old men were the two faithful ones. And it was those two old men that, uh, that the Lord said I'm going to just uh, you know put this 40 year parentheses in your life. But I'm going to let you pick your life up right back where you left it off there at the point of faithfulness of Kadesh Barnea. And the scripture tells us that Joshua and Caleb had the, had the strength of their youth, had the eyes of their youth, had the ears of their youth, had the, uh, the power of their youth when they were 80, the same as when they were 40. You know? So these guys entered in, they were old men numerically speaking, but they were, they were men of strength and virility uh, as far as physically speaking was concerned. God gave them, God gave them that and so uh it is a it is a great lesson and uh look at uh, verse number 12 for a minute there the actions of the majority don't keep god from blessing the faithful minority uh number verse number 12 save Caleb and uh, the son of Jephuna uh, the Kenizzite and uh, Joshua the son of Nun for they wholly followed the lord and so uh the the fact is that even if you are in the minority as far as one who is uh, faithful and trying to do right and that the uh, you know the crowd's against you, that's okay because God still blesses, in, in spite of the majority, God still blesses the minority of the faithful if they be faithful. Uh, so that 40-year uh, additional uh, uh, time tacked onto their lives was their they lived out their golden years in good health. You and me, you know, um, that are my age are starting to feel it a little bit, you know. Uh, We have uh, aches and pains where we didn't even know we had parts, you know. And so, uh, so, uh, uh, but uh, these guys lived out their golden years you know, being able to run, being able to climb trees, being able to hike, being able to enjoy life in their golden years uh, that none of the others knew anything about, so Moses appealed to Reuben and, and Gad and Manasseh uh, was to learn from past experience of others, and so they they did they they got that two and a half tribes made good, and they heeded Moses' counsel, and so they were they they heard the word. They heard the admonition, they responded to it, they repented, they got right and they they weren't you know they weren't being evil when they said we want to settle here. They weren't being evil, they weren't doing anything you know sub- subversive. They just weren't thinking. They weren't thinking. And when the man of God uh, presented them with the situation, they said, "We get it. We get it." Uh, and they said, "We'll we'll change our course." They had to humble themselves. They had to admit that what they were thinking was uh, errant and they had to um, submit themselves to the authority of the one God had put in uh, leadership there. And they did all that and God blessed them in that. God blessed them in that. We know the story. They went in with them. They conquered both north and south in the uh, promised land. And then Moses said, well you guys did your job and you kept your word and uh, you, you guys can go back and enjoy life on the other side of Jordan there. Uh, now." And they did that. They did that. And so it was. Uh, but He he finishes with one thing. He said, "But listen, you've said this commitment, but I've I've had that happen before." Moses said, "I've had it happen before, where people have told me they're going to do something, and then isn't too long where they they're not doing it. You know, we've been experiencing that for the last forty years in the promised land, uh, in the in the wandering in the wilderness. We've been having that happen a lot, where they're they're all in for a few weeks and then they're all out again. So." So he says, I want to tell you guys something. It, it, you've said this, and you've made this commitment, but if you don't keep your commitment, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. And that's true of us yet today. If we, uh, if we you know, uh, start off right, but uh, don't think it's important to stay right and stay faithful, be sure your sin will find you out. The the uh, disavowing of, uh, you know, our commitments won't keep us from experiencing the the consequences of our sin finding us out uh, arthur conan doyle wrote uh, a book called uh, or one of his stories was called something um the the, the word clumber was in it and clumber was a was an old um a place that was in a on one of the far coasts in scotland and uh, uh what uh, the story was about was um, a um a major general by the name of jb heatherstone and this major general had uh, fought in the campaigns in India. But there was uh, in the account that uh, he developed a story of how he killed uh, an old Indian man, an unarmed old Indian man, uh, killed him just out of wrath, out of, uh, you know, out, out of uh, meanness. And, and uh, The story goes on to uh, account that the family of the old man had determined that they would uh, uh, take vengeance on, on this man um and that they would do it on the anniversary of the death of the this uh, old indian grandfather that uh, this major general had killed Um, he as time went on he realized they were serious about it and that uh, that every anniversary uh, he was um, frightened that uh, it would be you know that anniversary that it would happen so he decided i'm going to find a place nobody knows about where there's no one around where there's no access to it and he found this clumber uh out on the in the rocks and the coasts of Scotland and nothing around it there and no entrance from the sea and it was uh, secure on all sides and, and so um, he bought that place and lived in there and he you know, lived well all year because he, there was no threat but on the one day of the uh, anniversary of the death of that Indian he, he lived in uh, stark uh, agony of fear uh, and uh, the, so the story goes on about that October 5th date coming up every year what led up to it, and then how life was like after that year after year after year, uh, with um, with him. Well, uh, vengeance did finally occur, and you'll have to read the story to see how it how it went down. But then, vengeance did finally occur. His sins found him out, and uh, so the, the that was the really the moral of the story was that uh, without repentance, without Uh, forgiveness without forsaking your sins will find you out thank God Reuben and uh, Manasseh those tribes didn't take that route they didn't uh, come in part way and then uh, say we've done enough we want to go back they didn't do that they went all the way through with their commitment to Moses and they told Moses first of all in verse 27 they said Moses as you've said we're going to do but they said more than that they didn't commit just to Moses and you know uh, it's good for you to commit Something and say, Pastor, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this class. I'm going to be faithful on the bus route. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be there uh, when the church doors are open. It's good for us to make commitments to tell a pastor, but it's better if we make that commitment to the Lord. And that's really what they did. They went beyond just saying they do it to, with Moses in verse 27. Thy servants will pass over every man armed for war. "...before the Lord to battle as my Lord." And they're referring to Moses there, "...as my Lord Seth. But look at verse 31. "...the children of Gad said unto uh, the children of Reuben, uh, answered and saying, as the, as the Lord hath said unto thy servants, so will we do." So they said, Moses, not just a commitment we're making to you. We want you to know we're making this commitment to the Lord." And that's exactly what they did. Our response to the truth of the word ought to be uh, not just to the messenger, but to the Lord. And so, men, let's, uh, uh, let's be committed to not only the gates to guard, but the gates to take in our uh, warfare, in our battle. Let's uh, have a word of prayer.